coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Golden Spy vs. Spy. Trustwave identifies a significant malicious campaign. Next up, newly discovered malware cracks the Xcode. And finally, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 58, recorded on August 25th, 2020. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, the man with the golden pun, LaBelle, with me, co-host Chad. Welcome to the Punderdome, Anderson. And last but not least, Tarek, making a mountain out of a malware salad. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey there. <laughs> Oh boy, how are you two doing today? Doing good. Another uh, another day in paradise. Can't complain. <laughs> yeah, another day in the basement, which is, I guess, my paradise. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you both for being on, and let's have some fun. Of course, we have two articles today, and I will do my best to deceive Tarek and Chad at two truths and a lie. So here's the first one we've got here, which is golden spy versus spy. So Trustwave identified a significant malicious campaign on mandatory tax invoice software, which is required to conduct business in China. The campaign, which was dubbed golden spy is an embedded backdoor in the software package, which allows full remote command and control of the victim system via arbitrary code execution. So just when you thought taxes couldn't be any more fun here we are so chad i'm going to start with you can you tell us a little bit more about golden spy what happened after it was made public and please make at least one 007 joke that is <laughs> my ask uh, yeah no problem um yeah i guess the only thing that the only constants in life right are like death taxes and um software vulnerabilities so uh this fits but uh I, I found this Golden Spy thing pretty interesting. It was discovered by the Trustwave folks um, a couple of months ago, actually, but they keep like kind of putting out these little updates of new things that are going on. Um, it, it, this was, you know, with the tax software came two processes that were installed as services. And this is a mandatory tax software, by the way, from the um, Chinese government, if you're going to conduct business there. Um, one of those uh, services, though, that was installed was capable of pulling updates, installing new binaries, running any arbitrary code, all that. Um, so you know, all this bundled in legitimate tax software. Uh, and this is just kind of like curious in general. Um, you know, like the way the Chinese government works is uh, if you want to do business there is they usually install like a group of people that work at your company. Um, and, and it's just kind of the way it works if you're doing business there. So I guess it makes sense to do the same thing with software. Um, anyways, uh, after Trustwave received some acclaim for this, um, there were multiple subsequent binaries that kept coming through, and that's the updates that we keep getting from the Trustwave folks. So the latest one is, um, well, all of the latest ones are trying to erase the existence of Golden Spy off the system entirely. Um, and they're like getting more complicated and cleaning up as people make more Yara rules to like hunt for the uninstallers. So I was just curious all around. That's very interesting. I feel like there are many times in life where I'm trying to do what this person is doing and like control Zing a decision that I've made. Yeah. So I understand the response personally. I, I, 
I can get where you're coming from. Um, so yeah, let's discuss these uninstallers that you're mentioning here, Chad. So it sounds like there were a few different variants and the behavior conducted was fairly consistent, but the techniques that were used to evade security detections are where things got a little bit more creative and varied, one might say. So what can you tell us about that, Chad? Yeah, so the first uninstaller, uh, you know, Trustwave released a YAR rule to spot it. Um, the next one, you know, just uh, it simply changed some of the strings that were being used to, you know, so the YAR rule couldn't spot it anymore. Um, now there's like six different variants doing various things just to like clean up um, and, and delete Golden Spy on the system. So it's, it's really curious. Like in a way, I almost feel like it's a, it, it may not be, um, you know, intentional malware. It was, it may just been like terrible code that then they're trying to like save face and hide from, but it's, it's just a, it's a funny thing all around. A funny thing all around. You know, it's kind of unusual for you to be like tickled by a vulnerability i'll say this is kind of this is a new emotion that's been pulled out of you in this episode oh yeah yeah um yeah i now have three emotions um <laughs> so. welcome to security therapy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> today we'll discuss the emotion of being tickled okay that really does sound like it should be a therapy session that was yeah <laughs> yeah um i i would assume that tickle therapy is probably a thing um it well, yeah. <laughs> Chad. I remember when you sent. There's a documentary on something along this. Line. Oh God, I forgot about this, and now I have to relive it. Thank you. Hence therapy. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you remember the name of this documentary, Chad? It may be tickled or tickle or something like that. Yeah, it is the most insidious documentary about something that's so tightly associated with childhood. Um, it's disturbing. So I don't know if I should recommend it or not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's just it, it, it's just weird. Yeah, it's just like Golden Spy. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, maybe. Hmm. Is that enough for attribution? Probably not. But we'll, mm -hmm. we'll keep a close eye on that. Good enough. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> All right. So speaking of that, do we actually know who's behind Golden Spy? Well, I mean, it is the software company, right? Um, probably, but, uh, you know, it does look like this could be one of two things, like a very poorly built um, updater uh, that allowed, you know, arbitrary code execution and too many privileges, or, um, you know, it could be APT level activity from the Chinese government. Um, you know, uh, who can say there's plenty of TTPs that make it fit with, you know, that nation state activity. Um, but then, you know, the pr subsequent uninstallers that came out were like tied to another Chinese company as well. So attribution is just hard in every sense and here particularly so. Yeah. And are these uninstallers and you're, you're absolutely right. Golden Spy is <laughs> not the actual vulnerability. The vulnerability is of Golden Spy there. So thank you for that correction there. And so are these vulnerabilities or this type of activity, is it still active as far as we know? Yeah, the uninstallers are still going and they're still finding new ones. You know, I, I assume we're up to like chapter five from Trustwave now. They're gonna, probably going to drop a chapter six on us here soon with like the uninstaller of the uninstallers that got uninstalled. Um, so. <laughs> Who uninstalled the uninstallers? Yeah. We need answers. The um, uninstallers is a great, that's a great band name. Also, um, if this was in Russia, could we call it uninstalling? Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. 
That brought me a lot of joy, Chad. I think that's the most um, entertained you've been by one of my puns in a while. Um, I, I liked it. I, I'm really like struggling to find some like Gorbachev or, um, you know, some other. It's hard. Yeah. Stalin is a low hanging fruit for puns for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> something I've thought a lot about. Um, so do you have any recommendations for organizations? I know this is sort of a tough one and it's a really specific subset, but what what should one do? How can one keep an eye out for something like this? Well, I guess in this case, you just run the uninstaller, right? And then the uninstaller with the uninstaller after that. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, you know, if, if you're doing business in a country like China where you're required to install some government mandated tax software, um, I guess, you know, network segmentation, <laughs> you know, isolate this stuff. That's all that I could, all that I could think of there. I guess that leads into my last question for you, which is just generally how concerned are you about this? Yeah, it's, it's certainly concerning because it does allow for, you know, arbitrary code execution um, and, you know, complete remote command and control. I, something in my gut just tells me that this is a, you know, I don't know, some overreaching software or something from the dev team there that um, now they're trying to clean up to save face. Like I was saying, it just seems so weird to keep running all these uninstallers that um, are trying to like evade detection. And it's always after Trustwave releases a new blog post. So I guess it, it is concerning and that they have vulnerabilities there and someone could look for it, but they're definitely trying to clean it up and to like be as clandestine about it as possible so they don't have to talk about it publicly. It's, it's really strange. I feel like if, uh, you know, it was APT level activity, they would do something to maintain persistence on the machine afterward. So, um, yeah, I, it's just all around strange concern for the vuln, but not super concerned. I'm confused mostly. <laughs> you know what I think this is? We haven't done this before, but if X malware or the uninstaller in this case or situation was to be personified, um, this one would be Larry David. Because every time <laughs> they're trying to like solve a problem, it just continues to escalate and get worse. That's yeah. what's happening here. This is oh man, yes. You can just see him like with his hands out, like looking both ways, and just like just <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I, I think with that, now that Larry David has been brought up, we we just have to do the hoodie ratings, and we have to imagine Larry David in the specific hoodie style that is used in the rating process. So Tarek, I'm going to start with you. What kind of a hoodie and how many of them? How many Larry take? David hoodies are we talking here? Huh? <laughs> you know, I, I kind of agree already with uh, like Chad's assessment. It's like, we don't really have, we don't really need to be too concerned here. Um, I would give this one a solid, like five out of 10 hoodies. If I'm doing, if I'm doing the Larry David hoodie ratings, five out of 10. Nothing too worried about. <laughs> Chad, what about yourself? Yeah, I would say, you know, I'd even go lower. I'd be like three out of 10. And I, I think it's actually just the hood covering Larry David's head. Um, you know, bald's got to keep the head warm. Um, definitely just three out of 10. I think, is that not something he's worn in an episode? Because maybe in the first season to take us way back when he was attempting to buy that that bracelet or necklace for his wife. And he tried to enter the establishment in sweats and they would not let him in. Mm. I feel like he could have been wearing something that matches that description. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm Googling Larry David in a hoodie right now. Um, 
You know, there's this there's this wonderful photographer who works at CenturyLink Field, by the way, just to, to bring this all around to Larry David again. Um, but whenever I go to games there, I, I see him and he looks exactly like Larry David. And people in the front row just always yell Larry at him. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse, but I think it's fantastic. Um, if you're ever at CenturyLink, keep an eye out for Larry David. He's working the field. Uh, to be in crowds again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're ever in a crowd ever again, if you ever get to go to a sporting event the rest of your life. I'm sorry for all the times I've insulted you. Well, I guess that'd be more the Mariners. CenturyLink. We, we, win we win at CenturyLink. Um, that's, that's a good place. Um, <laughs> yeah. did you say the more the Mariners? <laughs> oh my gosh. No, but that's the best. <laughs> the more the Mariners. Alrighty. Well, <laughs> Now that we've talked extensively about Larry David, let's talk about this newly discovered malware that cracks the X code. So a newly discovered piece of malware designed to target Mac OS systems. Um, this is Tarek's specialty. It spreads through Xcode projects and it exploits what researchers have described as two zero day vulnerabilities. So Tarek, uh, I know Trend Micro has done a lot of work and uncovered quite a bit of information about this malware. How did they actually discover this unusual infection related to Xcode developer projects? Yeah, so um, they don't come out right and declare it, but um, they did find two Xcode projects infected by this malware uh, in what appears to be um, searching through various source control, uh, various source control code um, posted on like GitHub and SVN and things like that. Um, so one of these, uh, one of the um, uh, infected repositories was found on July 13th, and the other was found on July 31st. So a pretty tight window of uh, of when this happened or when they detected it. Um, yeah. Do we think there's something there to the dates? Is it always going to be like, will be August 12th and August 21st coming up here? Oh, look at the bit flip there. Yeah, check that out. I think there's a... Uh, <laughs> I like they it. Uncovered it. Yep, that's definitely their tactic. That was purposeful. Um, <laughs> so, is there any historical context on this malware, or is this the first time we're hearing about it? Well, you know, this isn't the first time that we've had uh, uh, poisoning of Xcode uh, happen before. If you guys recall, a couple years ago, um, there was a variant of this type of attack where you're kind of poisoning your source control. Or, or, or attacking the developer with their own uh, tooling. Um, specifically with Mac OS, um, there was a variant out there called, or a uh, different type of malware called Xcode Ghost. Um, also, ironically, um, targeting um, uh, uh, a lot of victims in the China region, which this specific uh, malware does target as well. So that's also very interesting in terms of like patterns of attack. Um, but this specific um, piece of malware uh, discovered by Trend Macro is a brand new piece of malware. Curious. All right. Well, I just want to backtrack to and ask just a level set here. What is Xcode? Yeah. So if you're a developer that writes software for either iOS, which is, you know, the software used on iPads and iPhones, or if you're uh, writing software for Apple laptops, uh, which is the operating systems called Mac OS, you're going to use a piece of, it's actually bundled applications by, uh, designed by and built by uh, Apple themselves uh, for developers. And so that is a kind of an integral fundamental piece of software that all of Apple developers use. So 
it's a really interesting and pretty smart way to attack developers from a uh, from an ecosystem perspective. Interesting. And a completely tangential piece of information here um, regarding Mac and uh, the Apple phones. I don't know why Xcode just brought this up in my brain. It's a really pretentious Siri. I don't know if anybody has ever tried this other than myself, but I had someone very close to me with the last initial V. And so I didn't put their full last name. I just put V. And so when I'd use Siri to call this person, it just claimed them as the fifth. We'll just call them Rachel, for example. So it'd be like, now calling Rachel the fifth. And I'm like, wow, that's kind <laughs> of pretentious, but also a little ahead of its time, right? It's like, Rachel is not a male name. So I was like, dang. <laughs> and then we just kept bringing it further. So I did X and it did the, it, it did the 10th. So it just assumed that there was this whole bloodline of Rachel's. So um, I did appreciate <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, if you ever try that, I don't know if they've changed that, but I don't know why I find that so interesting. Well, if I ever have a buddy named Louie, it'd be kind of good to kind of do the generational <laughs> thing that way. I'll have yeah. to remember that. I need to make a friend named Louie. So. That's a new goal. Um, Tarek, by the time we come back here next week, I would like for you to have a friend named Louie. That should be easy to do in a pandemic, right? Right. It'll be real easy. Well, fingers crossed. Totally attainable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh all right so sorry getting back to this malware um which how is it pronounced Tarek? It, you know what i was kind of dodging that too uh <laughs> it's a jumble uh, of letters there's no entropy here it makes no sense <laughs> yeah it's like a weird acronym um and so it's uh xc set is the is the way that i uh that i pronounce it um i'm sure that the the individuals at trend micro maybe have a different way or more uh, clean way of pronouncing it, but I'm just going to go with XCSET for now. Okay, that makes the most sense. Well, how does XCSET help attackers, and what exactly does it do? Yeah, so um, XCSET uses, uh, and this is always very scary when we talk about malware, um, leveraging uh, zero-day exploits. And so um, that really speaks to how sophisticated um, the operators behind XCSET are. Um, so XCSET uses two zero-day exploits to um, really poison the source control or the source code uh, developer tools, um, Xcode, um, when used by developers to compile their application. So in particular, it uses um, zero days in a developer version of Safari, and it helps attackers by uh, stealing their browser data, such as their login information, um, uh, it uses uh, or it gives the ability for the attacker to dump your um, Safari cookies. So being able to steal and hijack your accounts like that you've logged into with Safari uh, through account hijacking by uh, cookie stealing. It also gives the attacker to really kind of just arbitrarily um, inject itself into the browser through a universal cross-site scripting attack. So not only just the turnkey stuff that we see in man in the browser attacks with like, for example, the B framework, we are being, we're able to see, you know, pretty much full arbitrary code execution at this point um, through JavaScript. So that can be really scary. Um, but uh, but um, the researchers at Trend Micro did notice that uh, there were specific um, types of accounts that uh, XCSET was looking for. So Evernote, Skype, Telegram, QQ, and WeChat. Um, the latter two being um, pretty predominantly used in China. Um, so I think that I think we're starting to see some trends here about number one, 
looking at the threat actors um, behind Xcode Ghost using this exact kind of attack pattern, and then also taking a look at XCSET, which is also starting to kind of paint the picture of attacking Chinese users. So very interesting stuff. It also does uh, data exfiltration as well um, over an encrypted channel and does uh, also do some ransomware operations as well um, if, if the attacker chooses to. So really a uh, pretty sophisticated toolkit um, at the hands of the attackers here after the victims have been infected. This is like a renaissance malware. <laughs> it does it all. What doesn't <laughs> it do? I know, um, right? <laughs> well, I'm curious how the initial malicious code then is executed to do all these wonderful things. Yeah. If you've ever taken a look at Mac malware, Mac malware, generally speaking, and this is no exception, is relatively unsophisticated with its like initial stages. Um, and that's exactly how um, XCSET is. When you have an Xcode project, let's say you're building an application, Xcode will create these big project bundles. And these bundles are multiple files, multiple directories, a lot of boilerplate stuff. And that's how XCSET is presented as a Xcode bundle for developers to import. Inside of this, though, deep within multiple folders, there's a single shell script um, that XCSET uh, titles XC Assets and uh, a couple additional folders with those bundled uh, pieces of malware, uh, such as like malicious JavaScript and malicious AppleScript files. And so the XC Asset shell script calls some of these additional files drops them on your computer, and then runs those. And what's really fascinating, too, is that uh, upon run uh, or execution of those, they really masquerade as legitimate Xcode processes, just with a couple uh, uh, letters inside of the process string being different. So if you're just casually glancing at what kind of processes are running on your Mac, you're not going to detect that this is a, a illegitimate process unless you have really good attention to detail. Ooh, that's... That's pretty tricky. And I'm curious then what happens to those affected developers, essentially the victims? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, So it's really up to the hands of the attacker. Um, a lot of, which kind of speaks to how sophisticated this adversary is. When you're running an attack campaign, a lot of times automation is key uh, and human interaction is relatively minimal. Like you have a set of patterns you want to do, which is, hey, I want to drop ransomware on a computer. I want to go ahead and uh, maybe do double extortion and automatically exfiltrate the data, but I don't really need to interact with the with the uh, with the victim at all. XC sets a little bit different. It really sets the attacker up to be able to do arbitrary code execution, uh, but it also gives them those playbooks for uh, some automation there. So, for example, uh, being able to um, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, stealing information from really popular. Uh, websites that people go to like Evernote and Skype and Telegram. What's really interesting too is that there's some specific targeting of pay of uh, payment information uh, using third-party services like Google and PayPal, um, uh, stealing credit card information from the Apple Store. So in order to do that, um, XCSET has to run under a really highly privileged um, access. So they're able to access your Apple keychain to grab the credit card data. But it also, you know, blocks the user from changing the passwords um, and also steals uh, newly modified passwords. So this is a clever way of persistence mechanism 
So really ensuring that the attacker has a foothold on your account at all times or on your computer at all times, even if you think you can reset your password to uh, flush the attacker out, if you will. Um, so pretty slick stuff. Um, another part of uh, XC set that's really fascinating is being able to um, modify cryptocurrencies uh, on the fly. So XC set has the ability to, like I mentioned earlier, inject itself inside of the browser. So being able to inspect all browser traffic going to and from um, different Bitcoin or cryptocurrency exchanges um, and then modifying those in route is really fascinating too. So the ability to say, hey, I want to transfer you know, a couple Bitcoin from one wallet to this wallet. Well, XCSet will go ahead and detect, probably through regexes, those destination wallets and replace it with one uh, of the attacker's choice. So a really quick and easy way to make some money on the side too. Oh my. Yeah, that's a lot to parse through, Tarek. Thank you for sharing all that detail. The last few things I'll ask you here are about the zero days, um, as well as uh, any other information about the victims. But let's start there with the two zero days that they brought up. What do we know about those? Yeah, so one of the zero days that was found, um, or that's being exploited, is against the Data Vault service. And uh, the Data Vault service is a really a mechanism that's enforced by the kernel to protect itself against unauthorized access to data, uh, regardless of whether the requesting app is sandboxed or not. So this is a zero-day vulnerability that allows attackers to escape out of the sandboxed uh, permissions that applications can run under and access data it shouldn't. That's a really, really, really slick vulnerability to exploit and have a zero-day against. That really kind of opens up uh, a lot of other questions that I would have behind the threat actor behind this. Uh, you know, so for example, uh, why would you want to burn a zero day vulnerability? And we'll talk a little bit about the victimology uh, next, but why would you want to burn a zero day vulnerability for uh, this specifically? Um, that's a really important vulnerability to do sandbox escaping. And uh, uh, so this is re a really interesting strategy by the attackers. The other day, uh, zero day vulnerability that was found is a privilege escalation vulnerability uh, in the development version of Safari, which allows um, that I talked a little bit about it before that universal cross site scripting attack to be able to execute in Safari. And that is the ability essentially to run whatever kind of JavaScript you want in someone's development version of Safari's web browser. Excellent. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess the final thing I'll ask then is if there are any pieces of information about the victims related to the malware. Yeah, um, I think we've talked a little bit about some of the victimology here, but um, Trend Micro was able to, and they didn't, uh, for obvious reasons, disclose how they got this data, but they were able to obtain a list of victim IP addresses uh, straight from the command and control server. And so they found a total of 380 victims that are beaconing in to the C2 server by the malware authors. And the victims were much, oh, like 50, 55, 45 split between China and India. So 152 victims out of that 380 were discovered to be uh, Chinese uh, IP addresses. Uh, and the remainder of the 103 were uh, from India. So a very interesting victimology, um, a very uh, geographically focused uh, victimology. Um, but we don't have an understanding of more detail behind those victims. We don't know if there's any other common patterns um, aside from number one, these are developers from the Chinese and India regions. 
So very interesting stuff. And I uh, look forward to hearing more data about it. Excellent. Well, Tarek, thank you. You just provided so much information. So I really appreciate it. Um, and I'm curious, after hearing all of that, Chad, what would you rate this at? And before I get into that, actually, I just want to mention that our friend Alan Liska provided a <laughs> a fantastic idea here. Um, so he was saying the recent conversation we had about hoodie parts makes him think of color forms. Uh, so you can always design your own partial hoodie. Do you two remember those? I do. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Oh, Let's hear it. Oh, my gosh. So color forms, Target Chad. I'm going to send you... I'm going to send you a link right now. It is a classic game. I think this came up maybe in even like the 50s. Um, stay put as I send this to you. But we could definitely use this. I think we need to take Alan's advice and everybody has to draw or use, or I should use, say, use the color forms <laughs> in advance. And we can have our, our color form images included on the show notes. I think that would really up our sophistication personally. I'm all about upping our game. This sounds great. <laughs> we could call it our color commentary. And if anybody else ever has any creative hoodie ratings that they would like to share, feel free to tweet at any one of us. We always want to hear what you have to say. Um, that really gave me a good cackle in my day. So thanks for that, Alan. Chad, that being said, what, what would you rate this at? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with a 9 out of 10 for this one, just because it is, uh, it's targeting end users. It seems like a select number of users. The victimology is, you know, um, interesting, the people that they're targeting. Um, and there is a O'Day vulnerability that was used. It just shows a lot of sophistication. Um, yeah, and Matt Malware is always interesting. So um, I'm going to go with a 9 out of 10 because it is, uh, it's, it's really intriguing. A nine out of 10. All right, Tark, what about you? I'm a complete copycat here. Yeah, it's also a nine out of 10. You know, once again, we're dealing with uh, chained zero days. Uh, that's really important to, to understand. Um, and we're targeting a specific group of um, uh, victims, so developers. And we can assume based on the victimology, we're targeting specific developers in a certain in certain regions. So... I would paint this as, I don't want to say this is necessarily APT or I'm sorry, nation state, but I will say this is APT. Um, uh, and so I'm really fascinated by the threat actors behind this. Um, I feel like this is um, uh, something that could be applied to um, a much broader and larger um, uh, set of victims and probably see a lot of success with, but this is a clearly a targeted uh, regional based attack. So nine out of 10. Woof. Yeah, quite the discrepancy here between our two articles and relative concern <laughs> there for you two. Uh, but thank you for going into the detail. And now we're going to go into our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. So I'm up this week. Here we go. Are you, are you two ready? Hopefully I can deceive you. That is certainly the goal. Let's do it. Deception. All right. Deception. <laughs> and just as a quick reminder, I'm going to read three article titles. Two are real, one is a lie. And there is a point system associated with victory and deep, deep failure. And we'll just see how that turns out today. So here we go. All right. Gun exchange site pulls the trigger on announcement after data breach is confirmed. University of Idaho pays 457000 
after ransomware attack. And Uber CISO charged with splitting the fare with hush money on 2016 breach cover-up. Ooh. I'm going to go with Idaho. Final answer. Okay. I am going to go with the gun one. Okay. Are you ready? Drum roll. Tark was right. The Idaho was oh. correct. <laughs> Nikes. All right. Point for Tarek. Point wow. For I just had keep losing these last couple of weeks. I was on such a good roll at the start of this season. Um, I am currently ahead at number one. This feels good to say, but surely will result in my own failure. Um, and Chad and Tark are tied. This is the closest the game has ever been. I think we're really starting to optimize our <laughs> our ability to lose trust in one another. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need relationships. <laughs> we need a, a betting type system where I can like really just put all my points in. Ooh, and, I like it. You know, it's more fun to gamble. Like it Tark is. knows, so gambling is it's very exciting. It, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if there's a way we can go all in on a surefire thing and double, I'm down. Let's yeah. do it. Ooh, I want us to have right. like a lot of points too. Like Chad's got a billion points and Kelsey's got a trillion points. I think we should kind of step it up and make it absurd. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all in binary, so that does make it look a little absurd. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's so many ones and zeros. It truly is. It's all ones and zeros. <laughs> 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 oh, excellent. Well, I want to thank you two for being on the podcast. This was fantastic. We're back for episode 59 next week, but the coming week after, we're going to have a fun surprise for you all. So stay tuned. We'll see you next week on Breaking Badness. And remember, don't drink and click. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.